0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of Meme Goofin' with Bailey. I can't believe we're already here. This week, I'm joined by ESPN's Katie Nolan. We talked mental health, quick quarantine move-ins, the XFL, dog ownership, and a ton more. I really think you're all going to love this one. Seriously. Let's get right into it. So, the first question I've been asking everyone as this is like a quarantine started podcast is, How are you? Like, how are you doing with everything going on?
1: Oh, God. It's the question that when you get that in a text, you're like, Where do I start? Um, I'm doing okay. (laughs) I'm, uh, look, and as all things considered, quarantine's going great for me. I still have a Mm -hmm. job, which is something we should all be very grateful for. Um, I mean, the future of it is obviously up in the air, but um, I have one. Uh, I've got a puppy. So that was yes. a that was a decision I I made kind of uh, probably not well thought out but still going really well mm-hmm. um, up until today my boyfriend's been quarantining with me he just left today because he's been wearing the same four shirts for like six to seven weeks or eight yeah. weeks yeah oh, I can't it's imagine been. time is a flat circle yeah. so he went uh, he went home to grab some stuff which I actually kind of love a day apart we've only been dating six months when he got here so. Oh man. We jumped That's right in. Quick. That's a pretty uh, quick jump. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've known him for like five or six years. So we're like buddies. And as soon as we started mm-hmm. dating, we were like, yeah, this works. So then we kind of yeah. just did it for quarantine and and it's been working out obviously, you know, ups and downs living with somebody, but it's been great. Yeah. I mean, things are fine. I just, my anxiety's a little high. And uh, the thing I've kind of realized is that you know, the self-quarantine mimics how I cope when I'm depressed. Like, I self-quarantine. I kind of distance myself from people. And so my body is like, oh, you're doing that thing we do. You must be depressed. And my mind is like, great. And so then I'm getting depressed even though I should just not be. So I've been trying to, like, consciously pull myself out of dark places a lot. But I know that's, you know, echoed across this quarantine for many people. So there's a little bit of um, camaraderie in our darkness.
0: Well, it's, and I say that, I say funny. Good is the short answer. Um, (laughs) Yeah, good. No, good is good. Um, That's funny. Like my go-to has been like, oh, good. All things considered or, you know, with everything in perspective. But it's funny you say that because I'm the same exact way in terms of like, I definitely isolate myself. I lock, not physically lock myself in my house, but I tend to really limit my social interaction. So when you (laughs) say, spot Mm -hmm. on, when you say, you know like my body and like my mind is basically like something's wrong here like you're not doing great but i'm forced into it and like i'm actually doing all right and i'm hoping that this kind of shows me like it's showing me like wow maybe maybe the way i was coping before that i thought was good isn't the best thing in the world and i should get out there a little bit and stuff but it's funny that you say that i mean it's a weird reaction to
1: it's a weird reaction to quarantine but i'm like maybe this is what i needed obviously i I don't want this and i'm not saying that i asked for this but like this experience for me has taught me that like maybe i do like being out and with people which is the thing that i've always said like no i like to be alone um and don't get me wrong i love alone time but like i've it's been kind of nice to miss being out and sort of remember and be able to think about the things that there is value to and getting out of the house because i'm telling you as a person that like goes to work comes home and that's her ideal world like uh-huh. doesn't interact with other people until she has to. Um, this is like teaching me a lot about things that I should value in life. It sounds like a very obvious lesson, but it's one that I kind of need to be forced to learn.
0: Well, I feel, I mean, it seems obvious. And I think it's the reality that so many people just like exist in. Like, of course I'd want to go out. Of course I would miss going to the bar. But I got like a Instagram ad, like super targeted ad for like down the hatch, which is just like a terrible New York City bar oh. brunch. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. I'm like, I'm like what I would do for a down the Hatch. I talked about this on my with my last guest too. But like, I'm like, I want a down the hatch brunch right now I'm like never in my life did I ever think I'd be saying those words and don't get me wrong I don't think I'm going to be all of a sudden going all the time and doing these things all the time when it's done but it has I think kind of given appreciation for things that I actively talked about that i hated all the time so i think i'll probably jump back in and then a weekend later i'll probably be back to my normal self but yeah we'll do
1: shots at brother jimmy's and then we'll self-isolate again by choice yes
0: yes absolutely um so you talked a little bit about getting a puppy what was that choice i know i'm a big dog guy you know that as well so what went into that was that you said maybe it was a little spur of the moment but what's that been like because i mean i've been loving your pictures and everything
1: yeah, so I mean her name's Myrtle. She probably knows we're talking about her right now because she's looking at me. Um <laughs> I've loved dogs forever. I've always said I wanted a dog. Uh years ago my my initial thought was like, I just want one. Why can't I have one? And then mm-hmm. I kind of got to a point in my thinking where I was like, It's not responsible for you to get a dog until you know what your schedule is. Like my job yeah. ideally is I host a studio show, but uh Things have been sort of more fluid than I would love them to be, ideally. Mm-hmm. So I've I've been on the road and like moving around, and so I was like, okay, I'm not going to get a dog until I know I can be the best mom to this dog possible, and I can take yeah. care of her or him, and like make sure they have a great life. Like, don't get a dog for selfish reasons. Exactly. Uh, and a like, lot of people do. read books and <laughs> like stuff all so the they, time. <laughs> yes, yes. Which I mean, they're not they're not consciously like it's for me, but then they get the dog and they're like, I don't want to do any of the stuff associated with this dog.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I like
1: read a lot of books and stuff so that when i did finally get a dog it wasn't just like i wanted her because she's cute like i knew what to do uh-huh. um and then uh, a friend of mine was fostering these three adorable puppies uh looking for a home for them to be adopted and i was like oh i'll foster that sounds like a great situation for my boyfriend and i we both love dogs we mm-hmm. you know he's living with me but we don't live together yet so this would be like a nice little let's see what we how we are with a dog and if we can handle yeah. it so I applied to Foster, but it was you know late in the first couple weeks of quarantine, and so they were like, "Yeah, we have plenty of foster applications. We need adoptions. We need like forever homes for these dogs." And so mm-hmm. uh, my friend who's fostering a dog, lives like a couple blocks away, and she's like, "Why don't I bring over one of the puppies so you can meet her?" And my boyfriend and I had separately looked at the pictures of the dogs she had, and in our heads picked which one. If she brings that one, it's okay. over for us. And we picked the same dog. And the moment we found out was when she was downstairs and she just like held the dog up. We were looking out the window and I was like, that's the dog I picked. He's like, that's the dog I picked. And he turned to me, but he turned to me and he was like, if that dog comes up here, that's our dog. Like we, we need to make this call right now. If we meet this puppy, we're going to keep the puppy. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that serious. So we had her over for a play date of like a couple hours. She just like napped on my lap. She was watching him play video games, loving it. And I was like, "This is uh, this is our dog," and so yeah, then we, we dog- you know, had a long conversation, <laughs> and we were like, "Yeah, all right, we can do it." So we got her, and the first few weeks were tough, of, of like she required all of our attention. And I told mm-hmm. you we were in like a relatively new relationship, definitely new to living together. So like, yeah. we needed each other's attention, but she was taking a lot of it. So we had to work mm-hmm. through that. But now we've got this amazing dog who like listens, and for a puppy, is pretty obedient, and she's um. The cutest thing in the world and I love her and she's just brought me a lot of like you know they say animals help with their anxiety and there's a lot of like yeah. stress dogs and service dogs and I'm not saying she's a service dog but honestly when she looks at me and like licks my hand it really does provide this level of like okay everything's all right like you're taking care of another living being for the first time in my life and I'm not like crushing it but I'm doing a really good (laughs) job which has like surprised me because I don't take good care of myself and so to it's sort of like (laughs) taking care of her has taught me to like take care of my I don't know I'm, I'm very philosophical today
0: yeah. But it's funny you say that too, because I, I had a dog and then I was, this is like, I had a, a bunch of major life changes. I was teaching and then I moved to the city and then I couldn't have a dog where I moved to the city. So I left like me and my roommate had gotten a dog together. He ended up keeping the dog and stuff. And I told myself like, you know, I'm going to go without a dog for a while, be able to just like take a vacation. Like my job blended a vacation. I couldn't take a vacation for the full time yeah. that I was at jobs for like a year and a half. Um, But I was like, I want I, I to like do some time without a dog. And then I think two weeks into that, mind process mentality my mom sent me a link and the type of dog i have and i had growing up is like this cavalier king charles spaniel it's like the fanciest name ever which is Aww. funny because they're like they're the most mutant dogs but he it's and it's like <laughs> a fancy- <laughs> They never come up for adoption because they're like these purebred, expensive, like puppy mill dogs. And my mom was like, "Oh, this one's up for adoption." I said, "Okay." I texted the lady. She was looking to get rid of, like, she had to get rid of it because she was like moving or something. I don't even remember. And then two weeks after saying I would never have a dog again, I had a dog. But now I honestly don't know. Well, like, you do know, you have that feeling of like, how did I kind like w- what was I doing before this? Because I have that feeling now with him. Like, what was yeah. I doing all the time without a dog? Like, I can't imagine it.
1: Yeah. I mean, like even just, you know, time wise, obviously I'm like, well, how did I keep myself busy? But then also like, I think I've realized I had this like love that I wanted to give, not just to like a, you know, there's love to a person and then there's just like care, like taking care of something and providing for something. And it's just like filled a hole I didn't recognize was there. And now I'm like, Oh my God, like of course it's a perfect piece that fits. And it sounds really stupid because if you barely know me, you know that all I do is like respond to we rate dogs on Twitter. It's like uh-huh. I love dogs. I'm always <laughs> talking about dogs. So it's like, how'd you not know that hole was missing? And I, I I think the other thing is just realizing that like I was I was more ready for it than I thought. I I was always yeah. waiting for the sign that I was ready to have a dog and that the dog would be taken care of by me. And like watching myself struggle to take care of me was like, you can't take care of another thing. But I've now just kind of done it. And it was like a crash course. And I'm like, I can do this. I am Uh more of an adult than I thought.
0: Yeah. And it's funny you say that too about like learning that you're capable because like my one roommate who's my best friend who I live with too, my friend Harrell, like he never had any sort of pet ever growing up. His only exposure, his only like exposure to that was like he's a really good friend. And when we, my family would go on vacation where we couldn't take the dogs, he would stay at our house and watch them. That was his only experience. And I've watched him become like a pseudo dog dad to my dog. And it's just funny like he went from not knowing how to like hold him or pick him up and put him on the couch to now I'll like glance out of the corner of my eye I'll be working and I'll see him notice his water bowl's empty and fill it up or he'll like notice that he's scratching at the back door and let him out. And I'm like, man, like this is nice. And he says now, like I, I, never I never thought I would have been able to like be a dog owner, but look at me now. Like I'm a great dog owner and it's just, it's so funny to see. So I've like seen that in him. So I've seen exactly what you're describing. It's, it's, it's an awesome thing. It really is an awesome thing. Um, Yeah. It's
1: a, I feel my life feels like it has value now in a way it didn't
0: before, which is the best. If dogs can do that, then that, and that's all they're good for then boom. So to backpedal super far away from now, one main thing I kind of talk about often, I say talk about often, like this is a long running podcast, like a fifth episode, but it's (laughs) something I've I've brought up a few times. Yeah. something this pod is famous for is just like kind of origin stories. And it just kind of happens that some of the people that I've had on have taken relatively kind of circuitous routes to end up where they are. So what, what was, what did your journey to end up working in sports media at a high level? Obviously like you do now, like what did that journey kind of look like for you? It's
1: so, it's such a mess and it's so weird. And, uh, I've always been a person who doesn't plan ahead, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, Like, looking back at it, you're like, oh, of course those steps got me to the next step. But it wasn't planned. And it was sort of Mm -hmm. just born of this idea of, like, any challenge I'm presented with, I'm going to try my best to crush it. And then the next challenge, I'm going to try my best to do that. Like, I always just don't want to fail at stuff, which isn't a great driving force. um, But if I'm honest, it's what I have. Um, So I was... I graduated from school, from college in 2009 and, you know, not a great year to hit the job market. I was a (laughs) PR major. I thought that's what I wanted to do with my life because an online survey told me that's what I should do because I liked talking. And so uh, I entered the workforce or attempted to and had a bunch of internships that were like, we're not going to pay you. And I'm like, but I, I live in New York City. I moved to the city with my cousin to like a six floor walk up on the Upper East side. The third bedroom was a fake wall. Like it was a, it yeah. was awful. Um, the classic it New was York City experience. It was like a thousand dollars. Yeah. A thousand dollars a month. I blew through all the money I'd saved up through college. Cause I worked through college uh, waiting tables. I blew through that in like six months and I got to a point where I was like, okay, I can't work internships. I need a job. And uh, yeah. my friend got me a job selling gym memberships at Equinox, um, nice. which will just suck your soul right out uh so i lasted there for six months and then i moved so i was gonna move this back house, home but though. my grandmother had just <laughs> oh my god delicious and that smell yeah. still when i walk by an, an equinox uh, i'm like yeah. oh my god i'm at work like it takes you right back yeah. but my uh my grandmother had moved out of a condo in my hometown into my bedroom because she needed full-time care for my mother mm. so when i wanted to move back home it kind of worked out in the sense that i could move home but i moved to my grandmother's condo so i was like living alone but in yeah. my hometown right down the street from my parents And so uh, I did that. I bartended for a while. And then I just started to feel like, you know, that creeping feeling of like, you put in all this work in college, you studied, you like wanted things for your life. And now you're bartending, which, you know, I grew up, my mom was a bartender my whole life. And I I knew that she went to school for speech therapy. So I don't look down on it in any way. I Mm -hmm. just was like, if I'm going to make a change, I have to be motivated to do that right now. And if I'm not thinking about it every single day, I'm just going to get comfortable and I'm going to forget. So I yeah. need to take my shots now. And so at the time I was a big fan of Barstool. I was like reading it every day and I wanted mm-hmm. to work there. And I was like, well, the best way to work there is I'll just start my own blog and then maybe someday they'll find it and want me to work there. And yeah. so uh, I started writing this blog and I started it with my friend. And my friend thought I was like, yeah, we'll just write funny stuff when we feel like it. And I was a psychopath who was like, we need to write <laughs> six posts a day. Uh, if we miss a post, we got to add another post tomorrow because if we're not constantly updating this thing and somebody finds a link and they click it and they see that the last time we blogged was a month ago, they're not going to take us seriously. So we have to blog. So like three weeks in, she's like, I don't want to do this. I have a job. And I was like, oh, all right. So I just took on her posts and did six posts a day. And I was doing this. I'm telling you, nobody was reading it. Nobody. But I was writing every single day. Um, and then, uh, probably did that for, I'm terrible with dates, but I probably did that for like eight months, I would guess. And then I got an email from this website called guyism, which was like, you know, a bro Bible, like, a Oh, I you remember know, guyism.
0: Like a, yeah. Dude, I'm familiar with guyism. Yeah, dude yeah. site.
1: <laughs> yeah uh but more corporate than you know barstool and they were like we want you to to write for us and i was like cool and they were like we're not going to pay you but we'll give you exposure and then you can drive ad revenue to your website and i nodded along as if i knew how to drive ad revenue to my i was just (laughs) like oh i don't have ads it's a tumblr i was running a tumblr blog but i was like yeah okay i'll take the exposure and i should say like i had the privilege to do that i just told you i'm living in my grandmother's apartment like It's a a uniquely privileged situation that I could be like, yeah, I'll just write for you for free and I'll bartend at night and that'll pay my bills. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I did that for a little bit. And then one day they came to me and they were like, we want to launch a daily YouTube series um, where every day you just like read the news, kind of like weekend update, news and a joke. And Mm -hmm. I was like, no, thank you very much. Um, I'm incredibly awkward (laughs) on camera. It's not a thing I'm gonna be able to do. I'll write it. I'm like, I'll write it for you, but you should have somebody else read it. I would love to write jokes for somebody else, but I'm not doing it. And then they were like, well, we'll pay you $750 a month. And at this point, I moved out of my grandmother's place and into a place with my friend Kayla, who was bartending with me, and that was our rent. So I was like, oh, I can do these little YouTube videos rents paid for and then when i bartend that's just me money like i can just save that or use it on whatever i want to i was like hell yeah i'll do this yeah um pretty quickly learned that writing filming and editing your own youtube daily video uh takes a lot of time so i was like Doing that, those were due at noon. They never got up by noon. And I got docked $100 of my pay every hour I was late. So I ended up not (laughs) getting a lot of money. Um, But I I would work on those. I would go to work at like four, work until two, come home, write a little bit, wake up at seven, write, film them, edit them, try to get them up by noon, go write, like take a nap, go to work. So it was like this cycle that after a while I was like, I got to pick one. It's gotta be one or the other. And at this yeah. point I bought a green screen. I'd like watched YouTube videos on how to use final cut. Like I was teaching myself all this stuff. And I'm like, well, you're invested in this. You can go back to bartending, but you can't drop this and go back to it. So yeah. quit bartending and do this. And uh, so I did that. And then I was just full-time doing that. Not for that long. And the, they got bought out by another company and they were like, the terms of, of this deal is like, you have to move to New York now. And I was not being paid enough to move to New York yeah, no. um, but then they were like we'll pay you we'll give you 40 grand a year to do this plus other videos if you move to New York um, to me at the time again 750 a month 40 grand yeah. I was like hell yeah that's I'm making bank not yeah, realizing rip, that when you move to in New it. York that's <laughs> nothing that is no. literally nothing and so I, yeah. I, I moved to Hoboken two roommates I found on Craigslist who ended up being fantastic they're still lifelong friends of mine that's awesome. uh, and did that for a while. And then I, uh, like uh, not that long into being there, I got a call from Fox sports and they were like, we've seen your videos over the years, which I was like, what? Cause they weren't doing well. <laughs> I didn't crush it on YouTube. I wasn't a YouTube sensation as some people like to describe me, which is just a lazy way of saying I used oh, to make damn. YouTube videos. I'll
0: cut that out of the title. I'll uh, cut okay. YouTube sensation. YouTube sensation.
1: The <laughs> but so they called and they were like, you know, we want, we're launching a 24 hour sports network to compete with ESPN and we want you to be on it. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I called my mom. First thing my mom said was like, you don't know enough. Cause she pictured me being like an, an analyst. And so I was yeah. like, she's right. I don't know. I'm a fan. I've always loved sports. And like the videos I used to do weren't sports themed but I would always work sports news into them. Cause that's what I cared about. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm not qualified to do this. And then, uh, and then we talked salary and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try it. Cause I'm like a hundred grand. That is a lot of money. Yeah. So, yeah, a joke. Uh, so I, I, I went to Fox and I did the same thing. I did like little YouTube videos and I was on the show, Crowd Goes Wild. Then that got canceled. Um, but I learned, that was like a crash course. I mean, if you're going to start TV by doing a daily one hour live show with Regis Philbin, it's like, you're going to learn more than you. The, I remember my first day being like, when, now when you say the A block, what does that mean? And the producer being like, it's the first segment of the show. How do you not
0: know that? How do you have like, this job?
1: <laughs> I'm like, I've never been, I've never had people in the room with me when I'm on camera. Like yeah. that was a wild thing. When I auditioned at Fox and I had to read off a teleprompter and all these people were looking at me, I was like,
0: you guys, what? can you all
1: leave so I can be silly? Uh, so it was like a lot of these little steps that like now I'm like, how the hell did I do that? But Back then it was just like, you got to push through. You got to do it. And then uh, when the show got canceled, I pitched them my own show because they wanted to keep my contract, thinking they'd be like, no, we don't want this weird cable access television show that you threw (laughs) together." And they were like, yeah, we'll try it. And then, you know, to Fox's credit, they really did let me try it, which was garbage time. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm at uh, ESPN kind of making the same show. So it it doesn't make sense how I got here. Whenever somebody asks me, like, what should I do? I'm like, the only advice I can give is start creating because people used to have to wait Till somebody gave them a way to create, and now you can just make your blog, make your videos, work on your like voice and your tone and what you want to do, so that by the time someone sees it, you have a whole portfolio built. But I, have, yeah. other than that, I'm like, I don't know how I got here. It's just all sort of been like luck mixed with like this insane drive to not fail. Yeah,
0: which it, is well, kind of fun, a mess. Like, I talked for
1: forty five minutes. Do you want to say? <laughs>
0: uh, that makes my job. It makes my job easier, but the parallels, and this is me just flattering myself, Uh, but like the parallels between like that and my personal story really are like, there's a ton of them there. And like, when you say, you know, teaching yourself final cut pro and just like doing these things, like I, I did the same thing. I taught myself Photoshop to learn how to like crappily designed vectored t shirts to sell on the internet and I would just DM my friends with like three thousand followers and be like, Can you please retweet this? Like I'll give you a free shirt. And then that turned into me having like four thousand followers myself. And then all of a sudden I'm like, maybe I could make some videos and then all of a sudden I had a job at Sports Illustrated. And like I-, I still don't really know how that happened. But I think what you talked about a little bit there about like selling yourself and like yes, this is like we and I think this is a like a thing like of people like us like we internalize and tell ourselves like what we're doing is nonsense and like Mm. it's not necessarily and other people don't view it that way but like me like I worked for this Knicks blog that I helped run called like the Knicks wall just a random Knicks blog and I remember my interview with Sports Illustrated they pulled that up on like the like a egregiously fancy I think you've been to the SI the old SI office I'm not sure if it's their office anymore yeah like these egregiously fancy like glass door nice interview room and they pull up on this big tv the tv like comes down on the ceiling and they pull up the nickswall.com they're like so what here are you responsible for and I was like all of it and they're like that's really impressive and I'm like oh is it like I don't know like that's cool like I couldn't believe that they were taking this work that I'd really just messed around with and was doing as a escape and I loved teaching like I did like teaching it was a good job I miss it but I knew, I just kind of felt like I wasn't doing what I should be doing, if that makes sense. And the fact that they pulled that up and were looking at these things, that's my big advice I give because all of a sudden I also find myself in a position where people are coming to me for advice, which is equally hilarious to me. Isn't
1: it so weird when you're like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Like I did a public Zoom call. I'm like, anyone who wants some information on sports media, just because I'm bored because I got fired and didn't have a job yet. And I'm like, I'll do a Zoom call to have someone to talk to. And a hundred people signed up and I'm like, what's going on here? I'm like, this is crazy and that but then my, my advice that I really give them is like sell yourself like be proud of the work you do um, find a team that you kind of like and write for their website or just do something because there's an incredibly large number of people that just do nothing and they and they they don't know what to do they get nervous they say well this isn't impressive enough or this isn't as big a thing right. or I haven't yeah, made it I don't nothing think I made was nothing
1: impressive is- nothing I made was impressive but it was like when they clicked the link, if they saw one thing they liked, like an executive or whoever, a decision maker, they saw one thing they liked and they clicked on it and they saw how much there was, they felt like I had experience as opposed yes. to if they click the link and they see, oh, she only posts every six months and they're like, "Ah, I don't think this girl's ready. I heard a lot of like, I don't think you're ready early Mm -hmm. in my career, which they were totally right. But then weirdly, all I did was keep doing the same thing, which was make stuff on my own where nobody had any say in it except me. And all of a sudden it looked like I was ready. So it's just like, there's a, I think, now obviously what i focus on is quality of content and i don't want to say that quantity is all that matters it isn't but when you're starting if you can show that you've made a high quantity of stuff they're not going to look at all of it they're going to assume they're going to watch a couple they're going to click on like the most excitedly titled things or the things that are most relevant to what they're looking to fill a position for and then they're just going to assume the rest of it is at the same quality so it's like It kind of taught me something that matters to me now that I struggle with, but I try to remember is like every single second of your show doesn't have to be a hit. Things have to pop and then the rest of it has to be up to a certain standard, but you can't keep holding yourself to like every single second of this show has to go viral. And it's the same thing with if you're making stuff at home, not every blog you write has to be the best blog ever and your commenters will probably tell you that it does, ignore that. Uh, You're going to have days where you write your best stuff. You're going to have days where you're like, nah, this is just kind of filler. But that filler is going to make the difference for like executives who will be like, oh, I like this girl, but I didn't see anything else she did on the internet. So I don't know that we can take a chance on that as opposed to they can walk into a meeting and say, this girl has done this over the last few years. She works, she's focused, and here's my favorite. And then show that clip and it makes you look like you've got more to
0: you. And, uh, so it's funny too, you say, you no, know, like the commenters will definitely let, you know, I'm now as someone with a minuscule Twitter following, but someone mm-hmm. I'm becoming very apparent of that. And one thing that stuck out, that stood out to me for like a really long time is you mentioned Barstool earlier. I'm about to go work there in a month. Um, I think a month, I don't know. It seems like forever, a month Two. a month and two days from today. Um, but it was an old podcast yeah who's counting Uh, an old podcast I forget what one it even was but a guy Feidelberg who works over there said basically like he doesn't read the comment section like and he means it like he doesn't and he's been able to find that balance is that how you are because I am not yet there like I, I still kind of have to read everything and like the second question for you there would be like I have a theory that once you hit like 75 to 100,000 followers on Twitter It just sucks and it isn't fun anymore. Is that true?
1: Oh, yeah, no, that's true I've actually said yeah. it's like a theory i'm working out of like every person should have 100,000 followers for a week because it, it's like If you don't and there's no, I do not judge people on their follower count I think yeah. that like if that's not what you want to do with your life caring about your followers is pretty weird but yeah. um if you don't know that experience, you're using a completely different website than I am. Like I, I'm logging in and seeing criticisms for the tiniest little things. And then seeing, you know, I'm changing the way I do things as I learn stuff. And then I'm seeing criticisms from people who are like, why do you listen to those tiny little criticisms? And you're like, cause you, but you never hear them. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're yeah. getting this. It's like, you're having a different experience than me. Cause you log on to talk to your friends and I log on and see a bunch of people telling me why I suck. Uh, to answer the first part of the question, I am not either at the part where I don't read all the comments, but I am at the point where I don't read everything. Um, I yes. know I avoid YouTube comments. I haven't read a YouTube comment in a long time. Uh, the life Facebook, of a YouTube
0: sensation is tough. So You know, you
1: know me, <laughs> big famous YouTuber. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't read YouTube comments because they're rarely ever positive. Uh, and I don't, especially, I mean, this is just, it's not a critique of ESPN. It's a critique of anybody with a, any massive platform. Um, especially when you make something that's really different from everything else that happens on that platform, the comments are mostly like this back in the kitchen, this isn't sports. Like Mm -hmm. it's never, it's never constructive. I'm not getting anything that's like, Hey, I don't like the way you do this. Or, Hey, you shouldn't use this word. You should use this word. Like that's the kind of stuff I can, you know, take or leave, but at least it's constructive. YouTube is not that for me. It's a lot of show me your boobs. And, Mm -hmm. um, i 'm just like it 's all hacked to me now. It reads as hacked, yeah. so i 'm like there 's no value in my time in reading it and there 's really no value in my time in reading Twitter either. Um, but I do find that like i've i I think that I came up by being really interactive with my audience and always you know never seeming like I take myself too seriously and to yeah. me, if i don 't read any of my at mentions then i 'm just a person who you know found moderate success and just was like f all y'all this is my thing now i don't talk to you and maybe that's just in my head but to me it's just you know sometimes you engage in some interesting conversations i try not to engage with trolls as much as i used to unless they set themselves up for a perfect dunk and then i'm like let's go (laughs) um but even then i try not to quote tweet because i know people just end up Piling on, and you're like, no, I just wanted to dunk that's on him some- once because yeah. it felt see, good. Yeah, see, that's
0: something that's something I learned, and uh, I won't say like a someone who I respect like crazy in the field reached out to me, um, and because uh, recently I had gotten into a little bit of a back and forth with someone because uh, I just I am very I, I I was probably overstepping a little bit in talking about the NFL's social media and the uh-huh. influence yes. I thought the XFL had on it, and like that's kind of I knew I was joking, I knew it was a joking tone to me, it didn't get interpreted. That way, um, I didn't really say it that way, so it shouldn't have been interpreted. Um, I was totally in the wrong there, but someone who I like respect the hell out of DM'd me and was like, "Just be very careful with quote tweets because you can really spiral and really like just shut the website down for someone for days and just like put someone yeah. in a really kind of terrible situation there." So that's something I've learned uh, now because. I don't see my following as big, but I realize if I quote tweet someone with a hundred followers, like that's going to be a totally different reality for them. So that's something I'm kind of trying to learn. I do want to be the person that doesn't read the comments, but at the same time, like my joy for Twitter is that interaction. I mean, that's how I know you, you know what I mean? Was yeah. going and yeah. trying to have it back and forth. That's how I know pretty much everyone that I know. Like right. Michael Jr. I am like all of these people I know because I tried to use it very conversationally. So I think it like, this is such a privileged, like douchey thing to say, but like it kind of stinks that I can't use it that like that way that much anymore. But the verified mentions tab, this is the most elitist thing I'll ever say. But like the verified mentions tab is also a really nice thing. Like, it is nice. Do you you want to pet
1: your hairless cat while you're doing this part of the podcast? I I "I only check my verified mentions. I've made a lot of famous friends
0: (laughs) this way. (laughs) If I did only check my verified mentions, I'd get about one mention a day. Um, But yeah, I could pet my dog who's sleeping and snoring next to me right now. Hey, I'll tell you
1: this. The first time the internet tries to cancel you or gets mad at you for something you write, you're going to love that verified tab.
0: I know. Yeah. Because I feel like that's where the support comes from. You know what I mean? Like my, yes. my colleagues, You get people my that friends. are like, don't worry.
1: It was great. I like what you did. Like my Greg Hardy yeah. thing. I had cowboy uh-huh. fans were like, yeah. I'll kill you. This is mm. your mom's name. I know where she lives. And it was like freaking me out. And then yeah. I was like, just stop reading it because you're not going to do anything about it. There's nothing I can do. I'm just worrying and stressing. And so I had to like get out of that and like you're right it is privileged to be like I'm only going to check what famous people say but like most journalists are verified verified doesn't mean you're famous it means you are who you say you are which means you work in a job that if you're impersonated would be detrimental to you and so like a lot of people in this business are verified not because they're super famous or in any way special it's just that they if they were to be impersonated they'd lose their job so like
0: yeah also, you know, the only and to reason to help us when there's like yeah. <laughs> trade rumors
1: so that we don't get we don't all fall for fake shefty which has happened, yeah. To me.
0: Yeah, I well, it's funny. I was just talking to Zach about this before. The only reason I'm verified on Twitter is because I tacked my name on the end of the list with all the players. When we were Let's the go, players you, gotta, verified. you gotta fake it till you make it, it. yeah. Absolutely swindled it. And then that, like, at night, it was like 9 50 on like the first week, and we were like there late. And I was like at the urinal, like, and my phone buzzed. and I'm like, oh, I don't usually get many notifications on Twitter. I was like, verified which is such a trivial thing but it was a very it was a very exciting moment for me because when i was at si a bunch of people got verified and i got left off yeah
1: it'll mean less to you as your career furthers but i do it's that first time you get it's like the first time when michelle Beadle followed me before i was Mm -hmm. even at fox and i was like yeah i did it i've achieved it i don't have to do anything else like it was i was like this is my new favorite website and then, yeah. you know, very quickly it fell off a cliff for
0: me. Yeah. But. Well, I, I think I woke up one day to a you and Mike Golick, both people I admire very much in the field, following me and almost threw up. So I relate very much closer to that. I had that, that panic. What do I tweet about? Oh like my God. Moment.
1: That was me when Mo Salah followed thing. me. I was like, everything I tweet now, I'm like, he might see this. Make sure it's yeah. perfect.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm tweeting, like, a some nonsense or, like, a horny police meme, and I'm like, oh, my God, people <laughs> I admire follow me. I'm like, this is such a bad idea. But at the same time, I'm like, they followed me because I am this way. Yeah, so let me I continue- followed you for the horny police <laughs> memes. There you go. Good. I'll fire one off right after yes. uh, right after this episode goes there. So – something cool kind of that i got to do in between in my very short free agency period um which is another douchey way to call it but i'm going to because someone else said it so i can quote them is like i ended up doing like a weekend of work for the levitard show and that was a ton of fun and you're kind of Mm. part of like this expanded which i learned a ton about like levitard universe you know what i mean like you are on their shows and you're on the radio and stuff so like what i asked michael like the same question like what's up with those people man they're they're not tough. like those they're, the, they're those just the,
1: they're the best they're the best yeah. because like uh you know any big corporation is is it kind of gets really good at what it's really good at and mm-hmm. then uh it, it wants to expand into different types of content brings in the people that can do that but then just naturally tries to be like well here's how we do things to those people. And what that ends up doing is like, you have to resist being pulled into the machine. Um, Like you have to remember they brought you in because you're unique and different, Uh but it's a lot of daily fighting, not like angry fighting, but like pushing back against the like, I don't want to do highlights. I'm not, that's not me. You're Mm -hmm. very good at that. You have the best people in the world that do that. But you brought me here to do what I do. And so you've got to make a little bit of room for me. And as a person I've been at ESPN, this is my third year. um, It's tough. I mean, it's still, I'm still meeting people that I should have met right away. But I'm still trying to like make it known what I do. It's tough when you're not entirely sure what it is perfectly in a perfect elevator pitch, what you want to do to demand people let you do it. You just are asking for space. And so to like, back to the question, like Dan Letitard has been able to over his, you know, illustrious career, like carve out (laughs) that space. And then the thing I think is the most incredible about Dan and Stu and the whole team is they haven't been selfish about their space. They carved out this space they yeah. make, I think, the best radio show in sports. Um, and, and, you know, there will be sports purists who are like, but they barely talk about sports some days. And now it's like, look, there's no sports. What's the show you still want to listen to? It's Levitard. Yeah. Um, and, and what he does is he'll bring in other people. He'll find like-minded people. He'll meet them. And then he's so... He cares so much. I remember the first time I did a Highly Questionable, Dan's television show. Mm -hmm. He was like, if there's anything you need, if at any point in the filming you feel uncomfortable, if you want to do a retake, if you want to, if you're uncomfortable with something, I said, stop, tell me to stop. You will not be in trouble. We could be here for three hours filming the show if that's what you need. And I just was, it freaked me out because I was like, chill dude, What the hell's gonna happen? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what could possibly go wrong? Um, but like, and then after the show, he gave me this feedback. He was like, "You are, you know, you were great right off the bat. Like, I've never seen anybody like that. Like, I don't mean to be complimenting myself. I'm going to get to the insults." So that's, and then he was like, "Give here. me." He would like give me these little pieces that were like, "Maybe you know, try this or do this." And he will reach out to me every now and then. Every time I go down to Florida, he'll ask me about what's going on in my life. He's just this like, he's evolved. It's funny if you know his career and where it came from. He's evolved into this like father figure of, of you know, just making people at the company feel like there's a place for them and that it's safe there and they can try things and they're not always going to be the funniest or the best and they're going to get made fun of if they do something stupid, but it's from a place of love and, and safeness. And it's this little bubble inside of this big behemoth that has always been the worldwide leader in sports. And so like, I would say Dan is, invaluable to my career and to my time at ESPN because he's made me feel comfortable, he's made me feel like I'm not alone, it's not just me fighting this fight, Um, Mm -hmm. he's also great to bitch to when you're having a bad day and he's like, (laughs) oh I've been there, let me talk to you about that. Uh, And he's, you know, he's great and they make great stuff, they've really made this world and one of my favorite things about his show that he does so well is that they have all these inside jokes and they don't stop to like explain them to you if you don't get them
0: Oh I'm well as as someone who ran the Twitter account for a weekend with yeah. a limited understanding I'm very aware of that. But yeah, what no, it does
1: is like yeah you're going to lose you'll lose some people but what you'll get are the people who will be like I want to know what that means. So I'm going to hang around mm-hmm. until I get it. And then they use the fact that they get it to like defend it where they're like, you know, you don't get the show, that whole thing. But it's like this, they've built this world where they don't slow it down and dumb it down to try to bring everybody into the joke, which sometimes, you know, in comedy, when you're doing anything that's supposed to be funny at its nature, at a big company, you're t- given a lot of feedback that's like, people don't get it. You need to make it easier for people to understand. We need no. mainstream appeal. Yeah. And he's sort of backed into mainstream appeal by being like, no, we're gonna make a club that everybody wants to be a part of so that when they listen and they don't get it, they want to, so they keep listening. And it's this like really smart way of making stuff he believes in and he likes and not having to stop and oversell a joke. Um, yeah, I could talk about Levitard for hours. I just think he's, <laughs> he's made this really great
0: thing that I love so much. Yeah, and like, I'm so, I'm forever. I mean, Mike Ruiz was in my DMs within 10 minutes, I think of me getting laid off. Like, hey man, we'll throw you some money and you could run the account for the weekend. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's the other like, thing. Yeah, Mike Ruiz does me? not like, get that's enough. That's amazing.
1: Mike Ryan does not get enough credit um, for how much work goes into what he does. Like I, uh, I've been around a lot of producers. I've worked with some great producers. I've mm-hmm. watched Mike produce and I've been around him when he's not on the show and he's always producing. Like he's just yeah. very good. And it just takes practice of like, he had to learn what Dan, what Dan would respond to, what Stu would respond to, what roles they essentially play so that he could tee them up with stuff. Like Mike is an incredible producer. And the fact to me that he has time to still reach out to people and, and like yeah. do things like that. I'm like what, well, you make me feel like a subpar human because I'm right? trying to do yeah. too many things at <laughs> once and I get overwhelmed and you're out here like helping people while also building this fantastic show. Mike's a yeah, great Mike- producer.
0: And like, I can't even like, I don't, I think I realize it more now. I didn't realize at the time, but like the confidence he instilled in me by saying, here's the password, go do whatever you want for the weekend. Like yeah. I, I was really nervous for about 10 minutes. And then I did one tweet and everyone was really responsive. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, this is going to be a fun weekend. But like that, you're right. Like I felt so welcomed right away. And like, I got a personal thank you note from Dan. And then when he Ooh. sent me like, like in the mail, like, that like um I think I mean he had to send me a check so he just included it um but like I think like that like that just doesn't like doesn't happen like it does but like that kind of stuff and that kind of when people who are at the top of their field and high level are looking like you do and like you said he does and like he did for me like and they're just still looking out for people like that's so rare and it's such a special thing and I I like when people like that are successful because it shows that you know the nice guys finish last and like you got to put your head down and bowl through everyone else. Like I just don't, I'm not a huge fan of that belief myself. Um, yeah, and I just think they show that you can be a really good person and you can be open and accepting and help people and try out new things and just kind of like throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks and still be the most successful radio show you know what I mean? yeah the and don't get me wrong like
1: show. I'm I'm no mother Teresa I uh making content with me is tough the running thing at our show the running slogan is like she's got notes um yeah. and so like I've just I'm always like I'm a perfectionist and it was very hard for me coming from YouTube and doing everything myself to yeah. take my hands off it and be like you produce it. Um, And like that thing you just said about Mike, that he just gave you the password and said, go like, sometimes you have to realize that just taking that risk and trusting people makes them act their best possible way. makes them rise to the occasion instead of like, if you, if you don't let them do anything, then they feel like she doesn't trust me. I must suck. So like, I've, I've tried working on that. Um, I'm obviously, I'm very picky about what I make because I know as a woman in sports trying to do comedy, I've got like one fuck up and then my career's over. Um, yeah. So like I'm, I'm very controlling and kind of a crazy person, but like I, I try to counteract it with like, I'm not mean, It's there's never anything personal it's just like i this thing is very precious to me but i will also yeah. make sure people know that like i want everyone to be able to have their version of this thing there's room for everybody so come in and do it but like if you're going to do it with my show i i need you to do it really well please
0: yeah and that was my thing i went from creating exclusively myself never to a big audience but then i like pitched a show at si like my unimportant question show that I did, which was moderately successful there in terms of I mean, SIs digital content's tough. they don't they don't get a ton of love on there. We didn't yeah. get a ton of love when I was there. but I like I think I was pissed at the time, but what ended up being a really good thing for me was when I pitched it, they said, that sounds fun. Do that. You have to write it, shoot it, edit it share it and produce it yourself. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, that, and, and do it all off on your off hours when you're not working. So I was like, okay, that's a lot. <sighs> oh. But what I learned from that, I think, yeah, it was, it was a lot. Um, but I think what I learned from that was when I was able to then, like when it was doing well and the video team was like, you know, we could help you with some graphics. So I got to teach myself after effects and, and stuff like that. So like, when yeah. they're like, we could help you with some graphics. I, I think it helped me accept help a lot better than i'd ever done in the past because i was so happy to just have a slightly less workload it yeah. i had never I, delegating i mean even like like stupid responsibility roles i had in my life like president of my fraternity in college or stuff like that like i'm an incapable delegator oh, let I me can't guess quit. hold
1: on i need to guess the frat it um, wasn't a big
0: one it wasn't a big one. Oh, but. so
1: what you weren't like sae or
0: pike no, I was in Sigma Tau Gamma, which Never was founded Never heard at, of it. That's fake. At, you made that fa- up. <laughs> no, uh, maybe we might have. Uh, made at uh, Missouri State Teachers College, uh, so it's not. Ooh. Yeah, founded there, which is a pretty okay. interesting. Okay. So that was one of those real
1: party schools.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. They really yeah. got after it. I'm sure. Uh, back in the early 1900s, it was a. Uh, my time. I have so much knowledge from that. Like my brain is like 70 percent. Useless fraternity and sorority knowledge I had to memorize as a pledge and then again oh as God. pledge master. It's nonsense.
1: Oh, that, you were pledge master. Yes.
0: Yeah, it was a good huh. time. Yeah, it was. Right. It was interesting. Yeah, it was. Not my favorite experience, but it was yeah, cool, I, can, I will I say. I will if say, you said your
1: favorite experience was being Pledge Master of your fraternity, yeah. I'd be like, I, I got to go. My dog needs to go out.
0: Always, I have to get the dog. Um, but no, it, w- it was nice. I will say, I can't believe we're talking about this. Um, I was like it as a senior. So I did get to go back and like go to my college and still no kids there. So that was kind of cool. Um yeah, right. And when my when SUNY Plattsburgh brought me back as a notable alumni, I was able to go and, and Ooh, stop, by, stop by the frat alumni. house. Yeah notable alumni I went and spoke to like the six kids in the journalism department at SUNY Plattsburgh it was a good time that's
1: one of my favorite things to do especially now that we're in quarantine oh, I've been asked that. to like oh s- you know zoom into our journalism class I'm like let's do yeah. it because they think yeah. I'm important and I'm like okay fine oh, And
0: like those six kids who were like eager and run like I ran the school newspaper when I was there like the kids who like run the school newspaper and like are so hungry like it's so refreshing I find yeah. such a freshman like, going and talking to them and being like oh my god that was me like that was what I was like like doing yeah. anything you can to figure that out I've done a couple of those too and it's been it's been a couple of my favorite things that I've done in quarantine yeah so to pivot just way out of the way from what we were talking about you're a world record holder um that's pretty cool what went into that I'll let you explain what the world record is so what went into that uh is that something is that one of your crown achievements like what of course
1: Yes, I lead with it. That's why I sent you an email that said, please be sure to mention my uh, world record title. Uh, yeah. We came up with a segment. I don't remember who it was. I'll say off the bat, it wasn't me. I think it was Pat Gunther, one of our producers, but it might not mm. have been, um, uh, that every week we should try to beat a, one of those obscure world records. Uh-huh. And so we would film these segments. The first one we did, I did with Jacoby, and I think we did it again with Victor Cruz, where I would try to, it was like T-shirts put on by another person uh, in a minute or something. So uh-huh. we took the all NFL t-shirts, cause I think the record was like 30 and we tried to beat it. So we took 32 t-shirts and he tried to put them on me. Hilarious video, we did not even come close to beating the record. Yeah. And so we were like, all right, this is a segment we could do every week. Cause when we started on ESPN Plus, we didn't have commercials. So you have to kind of solve for when you're done with the segment, what happens before the next oh, segment. Man, that's just it's like a really weird out. thing yeah. that you're like, oh wait, I love commercials and I never knew that. Um, so we use these, these little interstitials. And uh, I tried to eat olives in a minute. I tried to eat M&Ms with chopsticks, uh, pop balloons with my butt. That one I don't ever recommend. Um, (laughs) And so we did all these crazy ones. And then we, uh, there was one that was like, obviously the goal was that one day we would break one. We didn't know when it was gonna happen. And then there was uh, um, donuts stacked, like amount of donuts stacked. And so we tried it. uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened. We tried it and I was like, wait, this is actually like, I could achieve this. I think we tried it and I got it. <laughs> and then we saw the like extra fine print rules were like, they can't be glazed. They have to be like this much in width or whatever. So we had to get like bespoke donuts. We had to find yeah. a place that made donuts <laughs> specifically to your specifications. And we ordered a bunch of them, yada, yada. We have to call in a, uh, cause we were like, all right, this is the one we're going to go for. So we're like, we'll do it live. Instead of pre-taping it, we'll do it with our live studio audience. You have to bring in a Guinness rep so that they can monitor it. You have to bring in a food Mm -hmm. person that can like verify that these are edible donuts and that like it's clean or something. And at the end we had to eat them to prove that they were donuts. It was wild. But so we bring in this woman. (laughs) She's like, goes over the rules with me. We're about to do the uh, segment. We have the donuts. I do my monologue for that episode with the audience. In the break, Uh, My producer Ashley comes over and she's like, we have a problem. Uh, The inspector has deemed that like six of these donuts aren't up to specification. She's like, so we don't have enough donuts now to break the record. But, and I had been practicing. This was the only one I was allowed to practice for. The others were all Mm -hmm. like going blind, but this one i had been practicing. Uh, She's like, but here are your options. We can skip it, bail on the segment completely. We can like explain what happened and then like still go for it, but not beat a record because we don't have enough donuts. Or we found another record, which is donuts stacked blindfolded. She's like, we have a blindfold. Uh, Jacoby had two velvet do rags in his desk.
0: Nice. We never
1: found out why, but he tied them together and made a blindfold. Um, And so like in the commercial, I had to make that call and I was like, I'm, I haven't practiced it blindfolded. Blindfolded brings up a whole new layer oh, a hold of, of a ball game. difficulty. Yeah. I'm yeah. like looking at it to make sure they're in line. I can't, but I was like, all right, let's try it. And if I fail, it'll be just like all the other segments, good video and whatever. <laughs> so uh, we come back from break, I do it uh, and, and I stack them. And you can, the audience is kind of being like, oh, as in like, don't take your hands off of it. So I'm like reading, trying to read the energy of the room. We also had, I had a producer in my ear that wasn't helping, but was giving me counts of like how long we had till break. Like all these distractions. They had this crazy music to make it feel more intense. And I'm like, turn the music down. Um, I get them stacked and I take my hands off and they stay because I don't hear them fall. So I look at the lady with my blindfold on and I was like, did I do it? And she's like, the donuts have to be standing at the end of a minute. And I was like, what? How did we go over every rule? And you didn't tell me that.
2: I ju- <laughs> That's a big I- one.
1: And now I'm like, do I touch it and mess with it and maybe ruin it? Or do I leave it and hope it stands until I had like 15 or 20 more seconds left? So yeah. I was like, oh my God, I'm so mad. So I like kind of touched it a little. And then she was like, okay, time's up. And I just, you can see if you watch the video, I took my hands off it and was like, oh man, I blew this. Like I took my hands off. And then I hear her be like, Congratulations, and I ripped those do-rags off my face. (laughs) And my reaction was like a person who used to play sports that has not played sports in a while. I reacted like I scored the game-winning goal. I was like, let's go! Like I was just (laughs) like, lady, you stacked donuts. Who cares? But it was such a great moment. My staff was going nuts. Like it was this crazy thing. especially because
0: there's been this buildup of you not getting to practice and like you going and actually working there and then being like, wait, I actually can do this one. It was like, like, I know it's,
1: (laughs) I know for all of your listeners, I know this is such a dumb topic to make sound like this big (laughs) epic thing, but it was like a movie the way it was like, I practiced, we got it. Then there was this last minute switch and we still did it. It was this, I mean, they gave me a big plaque and I still, I, I displayed it on the set. So like, this is, We're never going to pull off something like this again. It's a meaningless record, but somebody sent me a picture. It's in the actual book. So I'm in there.
0: Well, it's funny too. Like I, my uh, eight minutes of research that I'm like, I know Katie. I don't really need to look at them. I'm like, ah, let me skim the Wikipedia page um, that I did before. It led me to the YouTube video of that. And the thumbnails, one of my favorite thumbnails, I think. Of any YouTube video I've seen, because you talk about like the legitimacy of this, and it's just this woman looking very, very seriously. She you, was. And I'll you tell you, she was not into
1: jokes. Every time she I made does a joke, not she looked like, like someone who's okay. into jokes. Yeah. Her name was Hannah. I'll never forget because I called her Hannah yeah. at first, and she was like, It's Hannah. And I was like, You I got believe, it. Was she,
0: wearing, she was wearing like an ascot of some sort. Oh, she like had like, like the, the full official.
1: Guinness jacket on. Like she was yeah. the person in charge. And then I saw Dude Perfect attempted to break it, didn't acknowledge that I was the world record holder, tied the record, and still got a plaque. And I was like, I'm sorry, that's not how this works. We don't
0: recognize starting right. We don't. Right this and they moment, we no longer donuts. recognize that, nor do we recognize Dude Perfect on this podcast. Thank anymore. you,
1: They're, thank you. They use have, donuts. They cheated. and They can come at me.
0: Yeah, good. Well, if one of the uh, not many listeners of this podcast, but a solid and committed following, decides to, uh, to reach out to Dude Perfect on this, we'll see. We'll see how that. Yeah, goes.
1: Yeah, I'm starting a beef for you on your own podcast. Yeah. That's what you need to really take off.
0: Hell yeah, yeah. Well, my ho- my thing recently on Twitter has just been starting really obscure grudges with individuals that. until someone acknowledges it's very me. No one's acknowledging through yet, which- Quarantine. Yeah. Is there any, there's nothing more embarrassing though than starting a grudge and the other person not acknowledging it. So I'm work, I think I got to yeah. work my way down the totem pole eventually until it's yeah. someone who's like, who has like 80 followers on Twitter that will definitely see my tweets.
1: Yeah. Whenever uh, you're ready, let me know. I can help uh, signal boost your beef.
0: I appreciate that. That's good. Maybe a quote tweet you. and then we could really pile on. Yeah. That let's really good. do it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my last question actually. So that's the last thing I have for you today. All right. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. I have a couple things though before Ooh. that aren't questions. Ooh. One Presents? my mom sa- my mom says hi and Hi mom. Yes, oh, I'll tell hi- you I read
1: <laughs> I read that post that she posted today that you said yeah. made you cry in the morning. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is so sweet.
0: Yeah, she's very, yeah, they're very, Come on, they're very proud of me, which is nice. Yeah, she's the best. Her, you and your back and forth that weekend when I was on the Love Tard show, I think you guys had it back and forth. Was yeah, like the when you were ignoring my texts so. and I was like, why okay. does it you know hate let's, me? Let's acknowledge the text thing quick. Um, So I, you were very kind. And when I got laid off, you reached out to me. And you were very kind. And then I said, okay, great. Like, thank you so much. Thank you for your kind words. Here's my number. Because my, DM, my DMs are a mess. You know, so many yeah, people of want to talk to me. Yeah, they're crazy. So I, <laughs> they're not. So I gave you my number and then you texted me. But within 10 minutes, like before of you texting me, um, and you said, hey, it's Nolan. And like, I just didn't, that didn't resonate. Someone texted me and said, hey, this is Ladarius. I found your number on Instagram. This is Bailey, right? So I was like, first of all, who the hell is Ladarius? Second of all, where's why your is number, my number on Instagram? On Inst- I don't know. I I can't find it. I contacted my like contact from the ex of all Instagram. I'm like, is my phone number? I'm sorry. I'm like, this is this is not what you're. What job you need to deal is, with right, is right My now. phone number on Instagram. I'm like, yeah. I, I I'm like, I have uh, not many followers on there, but I don't want them to. See my number, so I never texted him back. And then I got a same the text from you very soon after, and it was like, "Hey, it's Nolan," and uh-huh. I'm like, "Oh my god!" Now some man named Nolan found my number, and I'm like, "Where are these people?" Is what I'm thinking. And then it's I fair. get another text when I got my new job, and you were very kind, and I like you're the best, and you said something so kind and so nice about me getting hired, and I was like. Oh, this is weirdo, like Said no words. Said again. nothing back,
1: audience. No, he said nothing no. back. Then and he then, messaged me and was like, what was like, it? What, come on my podcast. Yeah. Come on my podcast. And I was like, yeah, totally. But can you, are you mad at me or <laughs> did you give me the wrong number? And he was like, is this you? And I was like, yes, and that's me. It hit
0: me. Like, you know, when like, you feel like you feel a physical wave of shame start to overcome <laughs> your body. Like it started at the top of my head and slowly started to work down. Like Nolan, her name is Katie Nolan. <laughs> and I'm like, that is who that Which was. And I totally texted you back and fault. said, thank you. And it's so, yeah. you did.
1: And it was, it was a complete misunderstanding. Um, and it was my fault because I always feel so, I don't know. I'm just, I've got Catholic guilt, I, get it. I guess, growing up. I but I feel so weird being like, hi, it's Katie Nolan from television. <laughs> and so I wasn't going to say it's Katie because you might know a million Katie's. So I was like, hey, it's yeah. Nolan, Uh, like yeah. whatever. Um, and then I, and I, it's not, it's my fault, but I felt, I'm like, man, it's,
0: if we can be honest here, it's Ladarius's fault because yeah, had that not Ladarius. happened, yeah, where the hell did you, you find the
1: number <laughs> Ladarius? Tell yeah. me that. And Answer like, me I why you had to, to mess up my
0: friendship. Yeah. I thought you'd be like, just kidding. Not Instagram. I was outside your house. And I was like, Oh, like, <laughs> I didn't want that to happen. Um, no disrespect to Ladarius. I'm sure he's a very loyal listener to the show as Maybe. well as a follower of mine on Twitter mm. and Instagram, but that is what happened there. So I apologize for that. So yes, my final points are that I'm sorry. Um, thank you. I'd second, hello from me. hello from my mother. Hi, mom. And also a very genuine thank you to you for the kind words you said when I was laid off on Twitter. Because it, and I talked to um, not on a podcast, but I know we have like a mutual friend in Charlotte Wilder, and I talked to her oh, because she her. quote tweeted as well and said some kind stuff about me when I got laid off. And people, I think I had a, a good amount of people reach out to me like, hey, and I think fifty percent of them. Were their direct, some version of them saying, Hey, we saw Katie Nolan's tweet, and like, so I thank you very much about who knew, right? Honestly, like, you have like a billion followers, and I figured that would make some sort of impact, but you never know. Like, so many people's glaze over tweets. I had like a good amount, I know for a fact, like, the job that I'm ending up with that was at least partially a factor for that, so thank you for that. Oh and, wow. Um also like people seeing Charlotte like like Chris Long, like Flex, hit me up and was like I saw Charlotte's tweet and I was like, What the hell's going on in my life? Like yeah, I just got that, fired and nothing's That's So working. weird to me. Um, yeah. So thank you for that. A very genuine thank you for your kind words there. because that. Well, I that
1: would, it's I I didn't do, I mean, I meant it. I didn't do it because I wanted to be your best friend. I mean, I'll, I'll accept the friendship. Well, um, works, but like, you know, but. you've, it's a lot of people, a lot of, uh, I mean, you know, this cause you tweeted about it and got yourself in some hot water, but like a lot of people try to do the like authentic voice on their social media thing and, and no one's really doing it right. And, uh, the in the short-lived return of the xfl which man it really I sucks think. that like it seemed like they were going to do sucks, it right this it? time
0: and thank you and for that a, too a, because like you and mina the combo of you and mina drove like 40 percent of our impressions on certain posts I, I, on game day I, so thank a, I don't you, don't you for that you, but b
1: uh look you didn't again didn't do for it, so that sorry, for but. any <laughs> any charitable reason i wasn't like let me lend my star power to the i just yeah. wanted a team and i thought <laughs> yeah. i picked the best team that existed uh and yeah. i bought a lot of their merch and then mm-hmm. they had a really crappy start to the season started to turn it around and then a global pandemic ended. it's just a bummer. I think that XFL could have, I mean, if not lasted and been a great league could have had an impact on how the NFL does certain things that like,
0: yeah. And I hope it will. Like maybe it will. Like I think the kickoff was really cool and there was some stuff. And I think Sam Schwartstein, who was our director of football ops, he did an incredible job with so much stuff. I'm hoping like the notorious thing from XFL 1.0, which is how we referred to it within the league. Um, was like the SkyCam, like the X of invented the SkyCam, and yeah. then everyone else took it. So I'm hoping some stuff hangs over because like we did work pretty hard, and we did some really cool stuff for it to just be like. Yeah, but like
1: on a, you just to compliment you so you can continue to pet your hairless cat Thank um you. like you did a really good job of keeping an authentic voice that didn't feel like how do you do fellow kids it was just like no this is a, a meme and if you don't like it fine i'll do another one later and see if you like that yeah. one like you yeah. you did it was a, really a, for, a
0: like, force feeding meme type situation yeah, but like but it was no one was else also, had done that and it worked and it was hard. weird and It's risky, it's
1: hard to, I mean, credit to your bosses who like let you do it. But also like credit to you for not buckling to the pressure to just like tweet Hey, there's a game today. Like you were, you know, <laughs> really in. working on yeah. giving them a voice that was interesting and worth following, whether or not you cared about the team. So, I mean, you did good work, and that's why I complimented you. Although, in the back mm-hmm. of my head, whenever I quote tweet and endorse somebody that I don't know that well, I'm like, I hope this guy didn't do anything stupid in his past that I'm going to get oh, yelled for. I'm
0: clean. No, I'm good. I promise. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I, uh, never, yeah. never
1: say that because now they're gonna look.
0: I will delete this. Yeah. No, yeah. no. I mean as I, I uh I'm I'm good. I think I'm good. I think I'm right. good. I hope I'm good. Our yeah, unplot well.
1: problematic king. We stand. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I'll take that. So I think we're good. I think we're right. done. This is how I awkwardly end every podcast. I th- I think oh, no wait, good no, way Zach, Zach it, gets so a question. Zach gets me. a question. Zach gets one question. Zach Ooh, a question. Zach.
2: Yeah. I almost yeah, The Man you know, of the like- Shadows. <laughs> Is <laughs> that a gaming
1: chair? Can I ask you?
2: Uh, it is. So what do you are play? I, a mutual. No, Katie games. Katie oh, games. She's not All shaming. Right. I, I actually didn't buy. It actually I'm not shaming. For the gaming, I bought it for uh, to actually run podcasts. Like, well, that's support. embarrassing. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, no, that's I think I that, that's weird. Your... A... <laughs> buying a gaming chair I, to not. So you. I had it. We have a mutual cousin who was getting rid of stuff. And he's like, I have this gaming chair that I spent like some ungodly amount of money for. Do you want it for like a good deal? And I was like, yeah.
1: sure, I guess so. It's Look, really listen, but if you I told me game. you bought it so you could talk shit to 12 year olds, I'm I, fine with that. I do, yeah.
2: I will do that as well. <laughs> I've been on uh, a lot of uh, Call of Duty Warzone and PGA Golf. Is sort yeah, of, uh, the, you guys should uh, also McElroy. just
1: acknowledge uh, how lucky you are that you can jump on the mic. As a yeah. woman, I learned the hard way that no matter how good you are, the <laughs> second you jump on the mic, it's like, Ooh, a girl's here! <laughs> like, oh man, I just wanted to tell you that you suck and that you're garbage, but now <laughs> I've got to address all of your questions yeah. about women.
2: Yeah, but you know, yeah, it's no one cares when I jump on mic. They're just like yeah. See, uh, I would just, love that. I try to clean the like sick chair, dude. Yeah, right. Them. Sorry, but, anyway, so you can ask your questions. Question. Yeah, Sorry. no. Yeah. So I mean, like, I, I think you're like the you know. Again, there's no like long history to this, but we've had now several like very successful people on here. And I think that the things that are really cool is uh, the fact that like you've talked about just like being successful and like being the rising tide. Right. I think that's like such an important thing and like helping those around you. And I think you're also I'm the same. I'm like my mid 30s. I graduated 2010 uh, from college. And it was, a, it was a club, TV club at the university I went to. That's how I got all my skills. That's where I got my job. I got to edit a national level documentary right out of school for some reason. Whoa. Yeah, for PBS. And I faked it till I made it, that was it. There's no like path to this, you just wing it. And then I worked, I was like a firefighter and a bunch of other random stuff, but you gotta hustle and like get there. So I think that's really cool that you, you shared that info. I, what I'm really curious about is like, what is next? Like everything has changed like you're doing TV shows from your couch. Like, Mm -hmm. is this the future? Like, I think that's kind of cool. Like, you know, it's sort of taken a lot of the luster off of it and made it more approachable. And like, what do you think is gonna stick around? I'm really curious, you know, from your perspective.
1: I mean, I have no idea. Um, I know as much as you do, but I, I, it has been really interesting. I love content that's just like, oh, they had to, they're doing their job. I think it's kind of showed people that like, this job is amazing. I'm so lucky to have it, but it is also a job. And there's days where like my dog's acting up and uh, I can't wear my hair down around her. She tries to eat it, but I have to go on camera at a certain time. Like Dan Labatard is waiting for me. So I've got to <laughs> go do it. And so like, I've uh, it's such a stupid little detail to prove a larger point. I, I rarely wear my hair up on TV because I just have weirders and I don't like it. And uh, everything I've done in quarantine, I just have my hair pile. I remember the first day that I was like, I have no other choice, and I did it. And it was this weird moment for me where it was like, Yeah, well, yeah. I saw your post yeah. today about when I take it out, it's a mess, and I'm like, Honey, oh that's God. all. That's I get. It I works. didn't know. I get. I
0: didn't know you could get headaches from hair
1: but i was like scrolling your comments to be like are there any actual real ways to fix this i've always just assumed <laughs> this is feedback what it's like. i got some
0: decent feedback yeah, yeah i saw <laughs> i'm going
1: to buy spiral hair ties now that look like I, phone that's what i have in my people hair don't right even home. know what those yeah. are but i do uh, no but like it's it's this like stripped down version of it where it's like oh these are just people who also have lives that like this job has kept me from having a life most of the time and now i get to kind of show my life and how undecorated and messy my apartment is because i have to do my job and so i think that i've seen a lot of comments that are like this is awesome i love seeing people just like i'm sitting on my floor for most episodes of levitar because it's the only way i can get my internet like (laughs) hardwired to my computer to get enough internet to be able to and i can keep an eye on the dog and she doesn't cry like it's all weird but it's really interesting and what the hardest part for me was that like this is how i used to do it I used to film at my house and now I'm having to do this like oh, high budget more eyeballs yeah. thing back at my house and it's been so long that I'm like trying to figure I had to do this dance between like should I just tell everybody I'll do it myself the way I used to and go back to my old habits which I know would be detrimental for my job in the long term but better for the content that I make or do I have to figure out how to like be good at this again because i'm it's weird to be back here and be bad at it so it's been like really interesting i don't know how much of it's going to stick i don't know when we're going back to work i honestly think this would be a lot easier if there was like okay you got four more weeks and you're like okay i can do this but this open-ended and then once we go back we might have to come back to quarantine if there's another wave of the virus like there's just so many question marks that like i think tv's learning a lot right now that it's going to use it to figure out its future of like can are we capable of that can we really make it work um, this is the first week that Highly Questionable is back on actual television, yeah. and we're finding that like the software that we're using is more complicated than Zoom, and it's like all this weird, really boring stuff that we spend hours trying to figure out. And shout out to the producers who are putting in the hard work. I love the boring um, but stuff. But it's it's, it's my like life. just yeah, it's just trying to figure out if if we can make this work. And once you figure out if you can make it work, then you can figure out if you can make it great. And so like we're kind of getting there. People are bearing with us, which has been really nice to see. But yeah, I mean, maybe we live in a world where I'll end up just having a home studio and I don't have to go to work, which I'll tell you I would love, but would be very bad for me. I should be forced <laughs> to get out of the house.
2: Have, did you watch Saturday Night Live? This is the last question. I know you're super busy, but have you watched uh, any of the new Saturday Night Live? Most recent Lives? one. Yeah, or any of them, like since they've been home. I
1: watched the first one when they did it uh, from their houses. It was so was awesome, like,
2: just like you said, they're people, right? Like all of a sudden yeah. you're like, oh yeah, like they have like there's a lot of production there, and all of a sudden like no, they're authentically funny people, and yeah. I love I love the show more because of that. Yeah. Um, My one final suggestion. Interesting.
1: It's weird. Everything's weird. (laughs) Okay, make sure that? when
0: you do get that home set, you have like a nice, sturdy bookshelf behind you, like every single other home set Everybody. I've ever seen. What is the Everybody deal has
1: that? a bookshelf, every, it's well, a here's book, the
0: thing. and it's like the same. Yeah, like I know, like when I was at SI, they built some home sets for people, and they're like, put books behind you because that people will trust your opinion more. Like, I don't, but make sure I, you get I have kids, if you end it's up, yes, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. If you end up, I'm in See, my, like, that makes I'm that you get my, my
1: respect when you've got a mess yeah. on your floor and you're like, look, it was time to roll. I had to take yeah. the dog out, and then I had to film so there was no time to clean i'm sorry
0: just make sure uh, you but really i still cool, don't show the whole Um yeah no like i keep my
1: the books in like books. my my entertainment center and there's not that many of them because i don't have that much time to read like all those books yeah. i'm calling bullshit i don't think <laughs> everybody's reading all those books they have yeah, like great you get sent free books <laughs> you heard because you are Adam Schefter, but there's Come no on, way guys. yeah like all of my books all the books i read are in here exactly That's, yes it doesn't look on a bookshelf it's just this <laughs> that would
0: suck <laughs> that would be kind anyway. of a good bit though like a full bookshelf just, with just a book with that's not a bad Kindle. bit that's not a bad bit all right. at all yeah. um i'll think well, about maybe i'll invest in a bookshelf all right thank you so much katie i really appreciate it
1: this was awesome you guys are the best good luck with everything
0: thank you i appreciate that i will text me sometime
1: dickhead i will
0: yeah. let me text you right now this week's random twitter follower is clyde cross as well as four of the meme goofing interns the first four interns ever who all stayed pretty quiet except for rachel let's hear that all right, so just to get started here, you want to introduce yourself? What's your name? What do you do if you do something? Where are you at? What's going on?
3: Yeah, man. I'm. Uh, my name's Clyde Cross. I work at a big telecom company here in Dallas. Um, I went
0: to TCU. I've been,
3: I graduated in 18. I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, born and raised around in Texas. I've moved around from Austin to Fort Worth to Dallas now. And, you know, just awesome. life, enjoying it.
0: All right, so when did you graduate from TCU? 2018. 2018. Nice. So you avoided, I've talked to like, I was talking, Ivan, who's one of my uh, interns that I have on here. And then I was talking to some other people kind of got caught up. And I think maybe everyone else on the spot, I'm not sure how old you guys are. I apologize for not knowing, but I know some people have been kind of caught up in this being in college during the crazy coronavirus thing going on. So how much has your, so like, I almost haven't been asking them, people in college, because I think one- no one really wants to talk about how it's ruined a lot of their year. And two, everyone, I think, kind of knows what's going on there. So, like, how much has your day-to-day slash reality changed really over the last handful of months? Dude, honestly, it's actually kind of stayed the same in a sense. Um,
3: okay. My job is really virtual in a sense already. Um, typically, I can still go into an office and I can work and do whatever. But now that I'm at home and working still, I can do the same stuff uh, on my day-to-day. It's just a lot less of a workload, I guess. Um, being in sales, it's like, okay, instead of being able to reach out to more people, it's just um, having to have that, like, less of a different um, environment and not being able to reach as many people because nobody's open.
0: Absolutely. So this is a question. This is so working in sales. Like, I know, obviously, people are money's tight for a ton of people right now. Like, I lost my job. So like, money's <laughs> tight for me, right? Yeah, I have a new one. But, like, right. I lost my job. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Um but I like money's pretty tight for me right now. You know what I mean? And like a ton of people. So like, has that, has that been like awkward? Has your kind of like protocols at work or anything like that changed? Or have you kind of had to change gears or pretty much just, I know sales is tough already before all of this. So.
3: Right. So uh, with my company, it's big enough to where we can offer so many different products and services that it helps a lot of companies. So what we can do is offer a lot of promotions that help um, in terms of financial, um, success of allowing or giving the opportunities to companies to um i guess receive these promotions so that they can save on money as well as uh, these bigger companies that do need to open asap we have a lot of d- different stuff that allows them to open so that they can have like thermal um i guess detection to, ter- to determine um who can come in and who cannot so we have uh, videos that like literally like make people green that says that they don't have a fever and then red if they do and oh, so if they cool. do have people are like get the heck out of here and you're good to go so we're able to apply a lot of our stuff to different um companies businesses small businesses medium and large um but yes like i mean people some people like a bowling alley let's just say that is not able mm-hmm. to um mm-hmm. afford some of these stuff so it's kind of funky but um it's I mean, for me, it's not bad.
0: It hasn't slowed down too much,
3: just different ways to do it, to go about it, you know.
0: That's good. You know, it's funny because I know when I still did have my job before the XFL exploded, um, I like I, I was doing some podcasts. I was always having people kind of ask me to go on podcasts and just like chatting with people in my life. I felt kind of bad saying, mm-hmm. like, oh, not that much has changed. Or I felt kind of, but like, I think, right. I mean, first of all, if someone is pissed at you for still having a job, not the kind of person you should keep around. <laughs> but those people do exist. You know what I mean? So it's, I like that you're oh, able yeah. to just like come forward, right away and be like, you know, not that much has changed. And that like that's a good thing. Like that mm-hmm. comforts me to hear that not everything is so messed up everyone. And, it's funny, like to talk about myself, which is what I do for like ninety percent of this podcast. But like, I'm down. In the, I'm, I'm, I'm from New York, and I live up in New York City. But now, I'm, right now, I'm down in North Carolina. And I was even saying, like, in the yeah. rest stop, like in the rest stops down here, like people, just like the general sense of panic that is existing up in the city, with good reason, because so many people are sick up there, just doesn't so much exist right. down here. So it's actually been kind of nice. Like, I still have my mask on at a rest stop. You know what I mean? But like not seeing everyone else, like it made me kind of feel like I was back and normal so I feel like you kind of being in a job where you're trying to kind of help people find their normal it's honestly like kind of a cool yeah. spot to be in yeah I'm kind of jealous exactly of that. yeah it, it's very nice um and all, on top of that like
3: going back to your job like you when you were worked with with the XFL and working
0: on that it was you were you said that you like traveled like what three hours uh back and forth or like yeah I did trip? what I did in the morning um i'll give you you know i'll break it down i'll give you like what my day was yeah. like I, yeah I'd, I'd wake up I, yeah i'd wake up around five forty-five. i would you know get my dog situated showered get everything like whatever people do to get ready in the morning do that i would walk to the subway station i would take the l train like 13 stops i would then mm-hmm. trans- transfer take the four five or six like three or four stops and then i would get on a metro north train which was like a, an hour and a half train And then I would get to a shuttle in Stanford, Connecticut, the Stanford train station. I would take that shuttle to the office. So, yeah, I did about I did about four and a half hours a day round trip. So, like, I felt so bad immediately whenever like my life got a lot while well, i still had a job the XFL was still a league and that became very clear very yeah. clear that i wasn't going to continue but for those that month i was working from home like i was saving 450 dollars a month on transport cost, or, like travel costs i was saving four and a half hours a day like i was i felt like i was working so much more efficiently and but you know it happens it, it didn't work out this is a result of that not working out i wouldn't have had the time or i don't think honestly i would have been allowed because they were very strict like the xfl really limited the stuff i was allowed to go on uh and i wasn't allowed to do a lot of podcasts and stuff like that so i don't know if i would have even been allowed to do this so to get back to like the xfl a little bit because we haven't i talked you guys obviously know on this call heard that but me and katie nolan who i had on for this episode who everyone who's listening to this has now already listened to her interview had we talked a little bit about the xfl so i know you were like an xfl guy you reached out to me i think Maybe before the season started, you DM'd me on Twitter, right around when the season started. So, like, what got you into the XFL, and what interested you about that? Well, I mean, I'm a
3: huge Dallas sports fan, at like, in every category. So, hockey, stars, awesome. yada, yada, yada. Um, and so, when the Renegades came, I was like, that's, that's kind of cool. And having a spring football league was phenomenal, especially here in Texas. It's like, God
0: to us you know um yeah i was so down in houston it, for three weeks for training camp and that was that was a ton of fun people were like you could already oh tell like gosh. the city was around i go to a restaurant wearing like an xfl hoodie or an xfl t-shirt and people were like oh are you part of like that new football league or my uber drivers and stuff so i could tell like even in houston the excitement level was definitely there sorry for cutting you off oh no oh yeah I, it, well that's the thing is like everybody
3: it was excited and it like i wish that they were able to do another season because i think it would actually like grow tremendously that's one of my questions where i wanted to ask like what do you think the potential of XFL would have been if they stayed around if coronavirus yeah, that, hit?
0: yeah that's interesting I, I mean i was confident it's tough because like i wasn't that closely connected to the football stuff like that like Well, the only thing, like, the closest I got to the actual football was, like, having to handle the response to that really bad blown call at the end of one of the games. There was, like, a really bad, I forget what game it was even, like, I've erased most of that from my brain because it's just not important anymore, Mm -hmm. but there was a really bad blown call at the end of the game, and I remember, like, really stressing to my bosses, like, guys, like, this is really bad, like, we need to do something, and this could be, like, a good chance for us to stand apart from the NFL, who doesn't acknowledge anything generally that's going wrong with anything. So, that -hmm. was really the closest I was to football, and that was the moment Um taking a circuitous route here but that was the moment that I realized like wow like we're really doing something different and different is what we needed but like not different enough like it wasn't the thing that they always like put in our ear and always said like football That like there was no gimmicks like it wasn't like there wasn't a scramble to start the game like xfl 1.0 like there weren't nicknames on the back of jerseys so I mean I think my boss is like my boss to the 10th who was the president of the company uh Jeffrey Pollack he he often said in meetings he was like we're creating a hundred year league there and I always kind of sat in the back of meetings and I was like a mm, hundred year league's a little ambitious like I don't like I like yeah. the, I like I like the confidence um it turned into a half a year league so it seemed that that wasn't <laughs> that was a bit overzealous but no I, I mean I think it was the perfect storm to mess it up because it was good and people were enjoying it was it the NFL absolutely not but like we weren't trying to be the NFL and I think we were just like, I know, like, we had so many fun things planned. Like, I myself for social and digital. And, like, I never even really got to – like, the idea of an off-season after football when you have actual players and teams and fans. Like, the off-season, I got to work. There was no – there were no fans really yet. Like, there was no football being played. Most people didn't really know who any of the players were. So, I think mm-hmm. I think it was going to take a huge jump between year one and year two. where We were able to correct our mistakes and then really kind of put our foot on the gas with stuff that was working. So, like, I personally – had told myself one due to the commute we just talked about and due to a, a ton of stuff I just told myself like I'm not like I, I will do a year and then I'm going to reassess so five weeks you know halfway into the season I was like yeah I'm definitely going to come back for a year two. like this is something I definitely want to be a part of so that made it hurt a little bit more but you know I, I think it could have been it could have been successful it's cool from hearing someone who's in market though because like I'm in market for the Guardians uh-huh. but one the Guardians kind of stunk and they didn't like they were playing in jersey and like new york has enough sports and everything going on like well people in dallas like dallas was one of the cities that felt like they really really embraced it as well as like houston and st louis i would say being number 1 but I, uh, yeah i mean it's right. a very long way to say that i i do think it would have continued to be successful which which makes it makes it hurt so i hope i hope the lasting i hope lasting from it is like you know pj walker signed a contract and there's other guys there's a ton of guys signing contracts so i hope the lasting thing like how the legacy from XFL 1.0 is like the sky cam since they invented that. And that's in every sport on earth. Now I'm hoping that the lasting legacy for this one is less of like a technological advance. Although I do think the kickoff rules were cool. Um, cool. Um, and more of like the players and maybe being able to like give guys a second chance. Like I know PJ and like, he was great and he was great to work with and he didn't get a fair shot in my opinion at a, out of college and I think he did get that uh with the XFL so it stinks to see like who knows how many PJ Walkers there could have been next year and the year after that and the year after that so that that kind of stinks but I'm hoping that's kind of a lasting image
3: yeah I completely get that like my thought was the XFL um like you helped really bring a personality to it that I feel like the NFL doesn't have I mean a lot of different uh big professional sports um leagues don't have I mean MLB like they I don't I can't put like a picture on them it's like for XFL, it was fun, and we, and like, I feel like the XFL from, like, what, the 90s kind of came back into play because of McMahon and whatnot like that, but mm-hmm. with the social media aspect and actually understanding, okay, hey, um, we're not just going to be another football league. We're going to be a fans first, as well as players uh, first, the kind of league. Um, exactly, um, and I think we really, because I know you're it. like.
0: Yeah. And I know like you're interested in social media and stuff. And if you're listening to this podcast, I imagine you're interested in social media. I don't know what you would get out of this otherwise. So I don't mind talking about it, but I think we were in a unique position where I said this all the time in meetings and to my bosses and stuff is like, it would be really weird if the NFL and like I've gotten myself hot water is not the right term, but I've butted heads a bit with some people (laughs) from the NFL, like on social media and some other places about their social media and the impact that the lasting impact I think our our social media will have on their league. And that's another point for another day, a much longer discussion. But I do think, like, it would have been so weird. Like, I was tweeting, like, some pretty, like, deep, like, Reddit, like, ridiculous niche memes. And our fans were, like, eating them up. So, for me, it was really interesting. Like, the NFL posts that tomorrow. They get a million. Like, how do you do, fellow kids? Like, this stinks. Like, so I did benefit from being able to craft the social like craft it from the beginning and make our account what I wanted it to be rather than having to kind of like transform it from one thing to another. So I think that was a huge benefit. And I think that is kind of a good anecdote for like what we were able to do overall. Like there was no stand, there was no bar, there was no standards. There were no expectations, at least externally. I'm sure there were certain internal expectations, but we definitely, I mean, Mm. I know like our social goals, we beat a week into the season. Like what we were hoping, where we were hoping to be at in a year, we were at a week. So uh, who knows where we would have, in terms, of like count or what? in terms of follower counts, in terms of engagement, yeah. In terms of pretty much every metric on social, we, we smashed them immediately. And then they set new ones, but I was kind like, of like, why? Yeah. like you said, expectations for a reason, like acknowledge that we did them and maybe set some loftier ones. But I mean, that was just a, that was a personal gripe of mine, but yeah.
3: <laughs> I get that. Well, okay. So another thing on top of the XFL, how the heck did you even get involved? Who do you know what happened?
0: I actually knew no one there i i was at sports illustrated and i we had no ownership and i didn't like them i thought they were bad guys and i I don't generally like working for who i consider are like bad people i try to avoid that in my life i mean i then went to go work for vince mcmahon who i have my opinions on but i digress um but he was way up so that doesn't count um but no i just wasn't uh wasn't really a fan of their management style they laid off like almost all my friends immediately after getting to SI and I just knew I wanted to leave and I never wanted would have thought I'd worked for the XFL I'm not a wrestling guy I'm not part of that kind of like expanded WWE universe that people are super passionate about it's just not for me I think I mean I, I acknowledge it and I know as much about it as I have to know to be relevant on the internet but I'm not a huge fan of that and then so I decided I was going to leave SI and I'm like let me go on LinkedIn for the first time in almost a year and a half because I quite liked my job at Sports Illustrated for a while and I, I had no desire to leave and then I actually had a message from a recruiter at the XFL waiting for me in my inbox on LinkedIn the first time I checked in like six months. And I was like, oh, this is meant to be. Maybe it was. I mean, I, I did it and it was a good time. But yeah, no. So it just kind of just came out of nowhere, I think, just because I think I was kind of trying to start bragging about myself a bit on LinkedIn and stuff. And I just kind of caught the attention of someone. That's really my whole brand is just bragging about myself until someone pays attention. So it worked, <laughs> it worked out there and it worked out again for this next job. So that was pretty much it.
3: Right that's what I was going to say. I was like, man, like p- going from Sports Illustrated straight to XFL and then like being able to have this little time off of like, okay, what do I want to do? What should I do? What can I do so mm-hmm. that you can um, build your own brand one, but um, also finding another job. Um, and so going to bar store, it's like, oh my gosh, like that's huge because yeah. that's, that's a personal brand. Like uh, I don't even know what to call it, honestly, but like just everybody there has their own personal brands and barstool is built off of all those brands it's like blah, blah, blah. so you being a part of that and them giving you the ability to hopefully i'm assuming run with this podcast run with um mean goofing and yeah to going start, uh,
0: this is going to be separate to start um and i say to start as if there's a i don't know it might be separate forever uh they didn't they didn't. They didn't recruit me for this. They recruited me more for social stuff. Right. Uh, but well, but like they but now you're right though you in doing. saying that like yeah it's a ma- I, I, There's nowhere better in the world right now to go to boost your own personal brand than there. And I hate the term personal brand and I use it constantly because it's I, I want someone to I, maybe I should try to invent a better term because I just hate it. I just think it's such a douchey thing to say. But like it is yeah, true. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I hate it. It's just like oh my personal brand. It's very like Instagram influencery like pushing fit tummy tea on your followers and like I, that's not what I'm trying to be. But. Yeah. Right. Um, so what we're going to try to do now is I'm going to put them on the spot. This was good. I like how this turned into you interviewing me. This was a nice change of pace. No. Do any of the interns on the call have a question? You can raise your hand because I can see you on video that they would like to ask Clyde. Does anyone have anything or that you'd like to ask me or anything? All right, Rachel, go for it.
1: Okay. So Clyde, you said you work in sales and I think he said like really quick that you wanted, you like had an interest in social media. Do you like see yourself doing something in social media anytime soon? Or are you like trying to work towards that transition and, and how are you doing that or trying to do that? If anything,
3: I guess like, I, I have always loved the idea of like digital marketing in a sense, social media and like understanding the engagement and um, the power of it. And so I've loved that. I, I'm not like looking forward to or looking for a job in social media, but I'm more looking for like, almost like a side hustle. Like, I, I love the idea of it and I want to stick with my, what I have right now just because um, building my career, building the rest of my life now, early in my, uh, my life. And then um, finding something that I love after that. And so that's where I'm like, okay, I want to be able to get into something, start learning as much as I possibly can and doing all this other stuff on the side. So that potentially after like two, three years, I can go ahead and go into it full time, you know? Um, So yes and no, no, not right now. Yes, maybe in a few years.
1: I'm kind of with you because like I I work in sales. I'm kind of like, my job is circling the drain right now. I'm furloughed and it's like not looking good. And so I'm kind of thinking like well if I don't really I'm not I don't even really like sales so I love mm-hmm. social media but I don't know how to get there so it's I'm always curious when people are like trying to do the transition like how you're doing it so it's a, I like your, your kind of way of like we'll build it on the side and then see where it goes so I like that all
3: right I've, see I've always loved business and entrepreneurship and so sales for me is like okay that's pretty much the the um the, cable what is no what is it the stone brick stone whatever the heck it is like uh, just a powerhouse okay of in business in general and so if you can learn sales and like you're already in it right now so you can understand and like uh, be able to not only just sell but consult with others and understand okay what do these people need um, and then taking that into whatever other um, part of business that it is whether it be social media whether it be consulting whatever whatever um, it's just a life skill that i feel like everybody needs to know social media is a
0: ton of selling yourself too like you know i mean like it really is like i know sales is more just like physically and like you know i mean selling things but now i mean social media is um so that's all the time i got because i ran long with katie i apologize for cutting you off but do you want to where can people follow you Clyde? anything else you want to promote like and just this the next 10 seconds are yours yeah
3: i think uh the only thing I want to promote is like my Twitter and Instagram are both Clyde in Cross, uh, Clyde Nicholas Cross, Clyde in Cross uh, at Twitter and Instagram. And so, yeah, hit me up. Let me know if you need anything. Ask me any questions. And uh, I, I hope to be on here maybe sometime again soon.
0: I think Absolutely. maybe I do a
3: Q&A for Bailey for a full podcast. I think that's a good idea. Yeah.
0: All right. We'll see. This was your audition. So we'll hear it back. We'll see how we'll float that out to the, wait, what are we calling? I'm drawing a blank. Goof gang. Is that what we went with? Goof gang. Yeah. All right. Well, Goof gang, baby. Real thing. Goof yeah. Gang, so we'll baby. float that out to them. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you so much to Katie, Clyde, the interns, and most of all, You all, the goof gang. If you don't follow me on Twitter, well, if you don't follow me on Twitter and you're listening to this podcast, that's pretty confusing, but that's all of your names now. So thank you to you the most. Remember to rate, subscribe, review, anything else you can do on those sites. See you next week.